We have discussed, as of last week, the philosophy of generosity. On this step of the faith path, generosity is sometimes a difficult topic to approach because it can be misunderstood, which is why we needed to talk about the true motivation for why we should be generous, the the real call, not because of judgment or pushing or pressuring or cajoling or manipulating, not because your eternal life is at stake and you're not a true Christian if you don't give. No, 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 none of that. No, we give our motivation out of a mature relationship with Jesus and out of a love for the things that Jesus loves. Well, today we're going to go ahead and get a little more practical because I know that some of you have thought about this before and you've asked a question that sounds maybe a little bit something like this. You might have asked, how much of my money does God want me to give? 5%? 10%? Is there some sort of progressive religious tax for where you're supposed to give a higher percent if you're earning more? May I suggest that that is the wrong question to be asking. Specifically for this reason. There is something wrong when you and I ask how much of my money I'm supposed to give. Because it implies that the money that I have is mine. And it forgets this concept that everything belongs to God. God made everything. He owns everything. And He will one day reclaim everything. All you have is God's. All that you have You might even say, but Adam, I I worked hard for what I have. I earned what I have. Well, maybe you did. And I'm proud of you for the work you've done. But guess what? Did you choose when and where you would be born? Did you choose to be in a position to receive the childhood education that you were offered? Did you choose your mental and physical abilities that you had? All of those things that you received, you have because God allowed you to receive it. All that you have done to get all that you have has been done with resources that God has given to you. All you have comes from God. This is the core of the biblical idea that we call stewardship. Everything we have is God's. And guess what? In stewardship, everything that you have authority over, all that you have been given, has been given to you for a purpose. Now, on the one hand, when we say everything belongs to God and everything is really His, okay, on the, it's easy for us on one level to acknowledge this as Christians, but do we get what this means for our lives? 
What we're going to do today is explore what this means as we look in Matthew chapter 25 for the meaning of stewardship. We're going to see the idea of stewardship transform our idea of what we have, our understanding of what we have, and what we do with what we have. Let's take a look in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 29, which says, again, the kingdom of heaven, this is the parable of Jesus, can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant of whom he entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I've earned five more. Well, that master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver, and I've earned two more. And the master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I'll give you more, many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. And then the servant with one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I'd lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. But the master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. If you knew I harvested crops I didn't plant and gathered crops I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest in it. Then he ordered, Take the money from this servant and give it to the one with ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given, and they'll have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A couple points I want to drive home about stewardship. First, that stewardship transforms how we see what we have. And second, that stewardship transforms what we do with what we have. Let's take a look at that first one. When we understand the steward, the concept of biblical stewardship, it will transform how we see what we have. You see, the master, when he left on this trip, he gave his servants this money, not just to play with, though. He didn't even just give them this money in order to keep things in order. No, the reason that the master gave them this money was to take what he had given them and grow it. When the master was giving his servants this 
these resources, what he was doing was investing in them so that he could get a profit. Now, I've read Dave Ramsey's Total Money Makeover. I've listened to uh, him on radio a little bit. Now, have I followed all of his advice as well as I should have? No. But I've generally tried to do what I could to avoid debt and save money towards retirement. Right? It just, it's something that he says makes sense and it made sense to me when I listened to it, so it's been one of my goals. So what I've done is I have contacted this company who on a monthly basis automatically makes withdrawals from our account to invest. And there's this guy who works for the company who looks after our accounts. Many accounts that he looks after. Ours is probably one of the smallest, but he does a good job. I remember the joy when... For the very first time, I got a letter in the mail from this company where they reported on how they were doing with the investments that we were making. And I saw that our accounts had grown as much through interest as it had through the contributions that we had made that quarter. Now, did I, was I making money? Because I was just so smart? Because I was really good at this? No. We were making automatic withdrawals. I was hardly even thinking of it from month to month. But what I was doing was I was giving this money to this investment dude who was a steward over my resources and he knew what he was doing. Though it's not his money, he was handling it well as a steward. I want you to think today, today, when you go home, list some of the things that you have. And then after each thing that you can list of the resources that you have, think about it as something that God has given to you as an investment. Why do you think God allowed you to have a job and an income? Maybe to bless other people and not just yourself. Why did God allow you to have a spouse or kids? Why are you able to serve as a coach or a supervisor or a deacon or an elder or a community leader? Maybe He allowed you into those positions of influence so that you could have a unique kind of influence on specific people to draw them to a deeper relationship with Jesus. Just as we would do well to remember that all we have is God's, we would do well to remember that God gave us what we have as an investment. Your understanding, biblical stewardship, will change your view of what you have. But biblical Biblical stewardship will also transform what we do with what we have. You see, so much of the time we only think of stewardship when we do think of it as 
money for the church. And if we do that, we are missing the bigger picture. All that you have is God's. And there are investment opportunities everywhere. Some opportunities are bigger needs than others. Some of the things that you have come with bigger responsibility for you than with others. So if you're going to say, all right, I need to be generous. Where are you supposed to be generous? This is where I cannot speak into your life directly. This is where you need wisdom. Wisdom is the key. You need to look at what you have and seek to balance your resources for the best benefit. There are a couple pieces of wisdom that works, generally speaking, which I think is worth saying, yes, even in a message. For instance, debt, on a general basis, is not wise. Alright? Think of it this way. Just a little bit of wisdom to toss your way. If you were to go out to a a deal, car dealer, and you were to buy yourself a $30,000 new car on a 60-month loan with no down, averaging 5 to 14% interest. Let's hit the middle, say it's 9% interest. And you were to pay the monthly payment of, that would be around $623 a month. By the time you paid that car, that $30,000 car, after 60 months, you would have paid $37,000 for it. By the time you finish paying, this car, which supposedly cost $30,000, which you ended up paying $37,000, you know how much that car would be by the end of those five years? It would have lost about half its value and be worth about $15,000 now, five years later. Now sometimes, you don't have a choice about debt. And I don't want you to feel horrible, awful, no good, very bad about debt, okay? Sometimes you really don't have a choice. Like, how many of us can just buy a house without any debt? Not me. I wouldn't be surprised. I would be surprised if there's very many of you. Very many of anyone these days in America that could. Sometimes you don't have a choice. But common wisdom might suggest usually the more you need debt, the more you think to yourself, I need to borrow money, the less wise it is to borrow money. So do that very carefully. You say, how would I do that otherwise, Adam? Well, I was a painter and one of my co-workers once had bought himself a brand new Ford Focus. And I looked at him and I said, how in the world did you do that? He said, I'm so glad you asked. He said, I figured that $300 seemed like a reasonable car, monthly car payment to myself. So he said, what I did one day was I bought myself a $1,000 car. And I bought that with cash. And then I started making payments to myself. $300 into a dedicated buying a car account. He said, that $1,000 car lasted me six months. 
And at the end of that six months, I had enough money in money payments I had made to myself to go out and buy myself a $2,000 car. And that $2,000 car, it was much better than the $1,000 car. But it still wasn't great. But you know what? He said, I bought that $2,000 car with cash. And between trading it in for scrap and the money I had saved up, he said I was able to buy myself, a two, uh, after two years, a $7,000 car. And that lasted much longer. And he said, I was able to pay for that in cash money. No debt to buy a $7,000 car. After two and a half years of making $300 payments to myself. He said, you know what I did? You know what I did, Adam? That, guy, that man told me, my coworker. he said, after five years, I took that car and it's still doing all right. I was able to trade that in and buy myself a $15,000 car. Brand new. I said, like, whoa! Seven and a half years. Always having a vehicle available. Able to buy without any debt a $15,000 car after seven and a half years. Man, how great is that? As opposed to buying a $30,000 car, which is valued at $15,000 after five years, then you've ended up paying $37,000. You see, wisdom and being intentional are essential to resources being used well. And in the same way, wisdom and being intentional are essential to our ability to be generous. So as we wrap this up, I want to ask you, what resources do you have besides money? Because money is not the only thing you have. You may be cash poor, but you may have other resources. Resources such as time, physical energy, emotional energy. Maybe you don't have a lot of energy, physically speaking, to pick up and move heavy stuff or run around, but maybe you can sit down with someone else who is really discouraged and be a listening ear and help them out. Maybe you have a resource, a physical resource like a home or a car or a boat that could be used to reach out to other people. These are the resources that we have. How about responsibilities? What kind of responsibilities do you have? We need to pay attention to immediate responsibilities that are incredibly important, like young children, old parents, struggling siblings or friends in need. Those are some of the first things that you should give yourself toward, even if it means saying no to other things. Those are ministries, mothers and fathers, of young kids, when you minister to your children, even if you are not doing as much for the church, you are involved in ministry. Adults who are caring for your ailing relatives, you are in ministry right now. That is a wonderful, beautiful thing. You might have community responsibilities, though, to your neighborhood or your school or your church. 
Those are also things we should always have an eye towards. How can I be involved in being a blessing to the people around me outside of my immediate responsibilities? Or you can go long-range responsibilities. How can I be involved in taking the love of Jesus to the world, both in what we do for others and in telling them directly about Jesus? Let's never forget that. It can be easy for us to get so focused on our immediate responsibilities that we neglect our part in the gospel going out across the world. Let's never forget any of those responsibilities, but find ways to be involved in them all to varying degrees at different times, but in all of them. Because you see, Jesus has invested in each and every one of you. Not just with time, not just with energy, not just with abilities, but with Himself, His life, His identity, His relationship. He has invested Himself in you, in each and every one of you. And not just with a relationship, not just with those things, He has also given to you a supernatural enabling that we call these spiritual gifts, to serve, and He has invested in you with a church, with people who can serve you and who you have an opportunity to serve. God has chosen to invest His resources in you. And friends, He has chosen to do that not just as a gift, but as an investment to be used for His glory. And if we use it well, One day, you and I, too, will get to hear those beautiful words from God's own mouth. Well done, good and faithful servant. Let's celebrate. Let's live lives so generous that the only explanation of it could be Jesus. Let's pray.